Welcome to the Smart Tech Check Podcast, hosted by Mark Vina, your home for candid, insightful, and provocative conversations about the smart home, home automation, security, smartphones, PC and console gaming, and much more. Hello, my name is Mark Vina, host of the Smart Tech Check Podcast. Today is Thursday, December 23rd, 2021, just a couple of days before Christmas uh, rolls around. I hope all of you will be celebrating the holidays with your friends and families. Uh, joining me for today's pre-Christmas podcast are my regular two stalwart tech journalists, Rob Pegarero, who writes frequently on tech policy for Wirecutter, PC Magazine, and USA Today, John Quain, who writes for the New York Times, Smart Cities, and Tom's Guide, and unfortunately, Stuart Walpin had the audacity to actually be traveling right now for his, um, I think he's going down to see his in-laws, so we, we, we pray for him. <laughs> um, that will go well. But Stuart writes for Twice USA, US News and Investopedia. Gentlemen, happy holidays, and how are all of you? Very good. good. Ho, ho, ho. Um, I see, John, you're in the Christmas spirit. you got the nice tree in the back. And uh, I'm sure there's no uh, – is there some uh, Christmas spirits in that? Uh, no. <laughs> I wish it was eggnog, but it's just coffee, unfortunately. Okay, well – Hey, I won't tell. I won't tell the, the hundreds of thousands of people that watch our <laughs> podcast. Um, Rob, how are you? You look like you're. I'm well. Uh, yep, I, I am at the in-laws. I would, I would have a Christmas tree in the backdrop, but that would guarantee that Buddy the dog would show up. And while he's pretty cute, he's not much of a tech policy or a technology expert in general. Uh, well, you, you guys got to download this uh, that app I uh, mentioned to you that exploit VCam. That's what I'm using right now. I'm not using a green screen, and it really is. Hmm. Uh, terrific. I mean, so we don't have to do, we don't have to do the prison wall uh, setting that you uh, appear to like. <laughs> well, I can come up with various trick backgrounds. I mean, I've got options here. If I can figure out how to use this app. <laughs> uh, you, uh, you're, you're in uh, Northern California. You're in the in the. Uh, um, not far from you. Correct. I'm in the the North Bay. John, you got any special plans? Are you hanging out in New York, or what are you doing? I'm hanging out in New York for uh, this part of the holiday, then spending part of it uh, up in the country at my house in the country. And then and then the question is, uh, not to give away anything, what do I do come the new year? Which we'll get to. Mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. Uh, well, I, I just got, I literally just got an email from uh, Pep, the Pep, oh, not showstoppers, the Pepcom guys that said they're, they're moving forward with Pepcom. So Pepcom is going to happen. But I, you know, the, we'll talk about it later when we get into the thing. But you know, the, you know it's kind of like death by a thousand cuts. People are just kind of dropping out, you know, one by one. But I, Pep, CES is going to happen. They're not going to cancel CES. But there might be twelve people there, but it's going to. I think it's going to happen. But no we'll, we'll for the buffet. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, let, let's get to our topics right off the bat here. Um, uh, this is a really interesting one. Um, you know, Apple announced a new version of iOS 15, 15.2. It has this very cool, well, I wouldn't say cool because I want to get your opinions on it, but an interesting feature that uh, both Facebook and Google have had for many, many moons. And that is a digital le legacy feature. I just wrote about it on Forbes uh, yesterday, which allows you to provide the, uh, the ability to provide people with um, um, access to your phone for, God forbid, you know, you pass on. We're all going to pass on at some point. And you can, you know, have that, per that person who you identify or a group of people up to five get access to the contents on your phone on Apple iCloud. And um, it's interesting. Um, and I guess the question is, because I know there's a lot of secrets on your phone, Rob, you know, um, all those poems. Yeah, actually, it's a brand new phone, so really not. 
<laughs> and you're you're smart enough not to put that stuff in the cloud. But uh, and I know there's a lot of secret poems to the Washington Redskins that you don't want the public to see mm-hmm. after you uh, pass on. But let's. I want to just start with you. What what's your thoughts about just the concept? Because people don't, you know, I write about this in my Forbes piece that, you know, people don't think about, uh, don't think about it. They think they're going to live forever, you know, hey, and, and you don't really give a lot of thought to, hey, you know, there's a lot of stuff on my phone that I would like to have a loved one have access to, you know, whether it's, you know, family photos, images, you know, um, other content. Uh, but what, what I want to ask that question to each of you first, just the appropriateness of enabling that capability. So um, what, what's your thoughts, Rob? Well, uh, if we assume the user is not, in fact, immortal, then you're going to need something like this. And I have <laughs> occasionally gotten emails from readers who have had a loved one die and they, they didn't have the password saved anywhere. And they just want to know, how can I get at the pictures that, you know, my my dad, my son, whoever took. And it's really rough to be able to have to tell these folks there's nothing you can do. And so now Apple has added that feature. And yes, unless you are, in fact, immortal, in which case what's your secret and do you get bored that way you should probably enable this feature well there is oops we had a little interference there uh you know pre uh, 15.2 apple would let you uh you you could uh, appeal to apple and get a court order you know which is a completely different ball game i mean uh, for most people never- right <laughs> Yeah, that's not exactly, you know, that's not like getting your driver's license done at the, at the DMV. So it's a very laborious process, like you said. But is it something you've done personally, um, Rob? I mean, do you have no. you done that with your phone? Do you, so you haven't done it. Um, but let, and, and I'll get back I'll get back to you in a second on why you haven't done it. But let, let me uh, pose that question to John. Yeah. Um, well, I'm playing in the singularity. I'm going to be uh, uploaded to my desktop computer. So, you know, I'm going to be around for a long time. So I definitely don't want people messing around with that. Um, me and Kurzweil. Um, but seriously, I haven't done it either. You know, it's um, we're kind of a crossover generation, you know, half digital, half analog. So a lot of people I know are going through their parents' things, the boxes of stuff in the attic. I mean, that's a typical thing to do. And this is sort of the digital version of doing the box of stuff in the attic. Um, and I think it, it is a, a smart thing to do to find one person or two people that uh, you trust in case something happens and then they can get access, sort of like the executor on your will, right? Right, right. It's, it's the exact same thing. And I think it's, it's, a, it's a good idea. Have I done it? No, but don't do as I do, do as I say. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that sage advice, John. You know what's interesting? You know, Google, um, um, I don't know what Facebook does, but I suspect they do something similar. You can be very um, selective about what data you choose to pass on. I mean, Google, you can go into their into settings, and this is whether it's for a Gmail account or whatever, but you can be very uh, surgical in terms of what data you pass on. The, The problem with Apple's implementation, and they may change this over time, is that it's an all-or-nothing deal. I mean, you pretty much get the keys of the kingdom. And I think that will give people some pause, frankly, um, versus, hey, you know, you know, believe it or not, and I say this in my article, you know, more than half the population doesn't have a will because they think they're going to live forever. And this is, to me, I think an extension of that, 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 that um, phenomenon a bit. But, you know, if, if you could be, if Apple, just using them as the example, if they employed a technique that allowed you to be very surgical in terms of, okay, my uh, family pictures, family albums, you know, 
you know, very, very, um, you're being very prescriptive about what data you allow to get access after you uh, die. Would that make it more, more appealing to you, Rob? So the only reason why I haven't set it up is because I'm, I use an Android phone. So I do have an iPad mini and I just got around to installing 15.2 or whatever on it the other day. Did not take it with me on this trip, but yes, I do have, you know, emergency contact set and various other services. So yes, if, if I were to, uh, shuffle off this mortal coil, um, my wife, my family would not be without recourse to get my stuff. And John, you, is the all or nothing part of Apple's approach? Is that a, a deal breaker for you? It would be a deal breaker for me, I think. Yeah. You know, I'm not an Apple aficionado. I have Apple products and stuff that I test, obviously. But mm -hmm. again, like Rob, I'm an Android phone user. That's, you know, when I switch phones, which is, a, you know, many times a year I'll switch phones, but they all tend to be Android, Windows PCs. You know, there's a heterogeneous group of equipment that I use. So w where do I back that up? You know, so, you know, I have multi terabyte drives, that might be the most useful. But yeah, all or nothing is a bit much. It's like, you know, if my photographs, maybe my emails in case you need to find something, you know, that I have a box somewhere full of, you know, jewelry that they want or something. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure about everything. Yeah. <laughs> And, and that's the thing that gives me major pause, you know, for a whole yeah. bunch of uh, different reasons. But we'll see. You know, Apple, if anything, they do change their minds and they'll never acknowledge that they did this in the, in the, in, in the first, <laughs> which is classic right. Apple. Let us talk about, uh, let me get to the next uh, slide here. Uh, let's talk about, um, you know, this is my, my second Apple topic. Yes, this is really intriguing to me and I got to get your reaction. You know, it's been a bad week for Apple. <laughs> the SEC, that vaunted uh, regulatory agency, they, they've rejected Apple's bid to block shareholder proposals uh, that would have forced Apple to kind of confront the forced labor issues they have. And most recently, just I think it was a day ago, um, NDA transparency. So when they have they settle, let's say, for example, they have an employee that they, they that leaves the company and they decide to pay them um, a settlement of money that employee has to sign an NDA. And by the way, this is not unique. It's not unique to Apple. Many companies do this, but the um, uh, the the the, the uh, person who receives that settlement is obligated, obviously, not to divulge details of the settlement itself. And um, you know, Apple has had some interesting um, dismissals of employees for whatever reasons. So, want to get your reaction to that? I mean, uh, the, the forced labor one actually sticks in my claw a bit. Because Apple, you know, claims to be the company that is, is the champion of human rights, and you know the, the, that the lack of transparency, I think, um, bothers a lot of shareholders. But let me uh, let me ask Rob what your reaction to to both these components are. It's a bad look for Apple, uh, you know. So on the one hand, they have actually tried to you know speak for the workers at various contract manufacturers and try to ensure they have good working conditions. Uh, it's been an industry-wide problem. They have at least recognized that they had a problem a little earlier than others. So why they would then draw the line at this. And same thing with NDAs. And the other thing is, I mean, if, if they have to accept these shareholder votes, they're probably going to win. Shareholder <laughs> democracy is kind of a myth in practice. It's really, really rare when you get something like Exxon having a dissident slate of directors actually getting elected against the wishes of management. Most of the time, it, it's like a Soviet election where, you know, unless you get some institutional shareholders who will say, no, management is wrong, management is going to get its way on these initiatives. And that's, by the way, that's, oh, yeah. 
Uh, that's not specific. Yeah. That's yeah, specific to every uh, every shareholder uh, vote for public companies right. generally go go the way that management asks the uh, shareholders to vote. Right. So, John, John, your take? Yeah, it's the same thing. Although it's kind of a, a not a debatable issue for Apple and for most companies these days. I mean, this is something that you have to do nowadays. I mean, it's just the world has changed and they have a responsibility for that as, you know, if they want to be citizens of the world, then they're going to have to uh, look at the policies and the companies that they hire to make some of their products or stuff. But that's just a that's just a thing. Um, the NDA issue is is a thorny one. I mean, um, the famous case I think of is the, the guy who worked for Microsoft uh, out in uh, Hawaii, moved to Hawaii. And he was just doing, you know, what we regard as just sales of products, not a big deal. I have hardly anything secret about that. But um, he was under an NDA and he could not do anything for also for, I can't remember, a year after. Well, what do you yes. do in Hawaii? There aren't a lot of other I can think of things to do. <laughs> right. Well, but to make money. I mean, oh. except for going surfing, you know. Uh, <laughs> so if you've got an expertise, it's not a huge market there. So it's an interesting thing it's an interesting question and a lot of it goes on obviously in silicon valley but uh and the, yeah. and the ndas that apple puts together are yeah, there's not one page ndas <laughs> i mean right and these that they comp they comprehend or try to comprehend literally every circumstance an ex-employee might find themselves in and uh, i mean that's to me it's kind of it's a kind of a remnant of the jobs error where you know um, that jobs felt very strongly about protecting secrets, um, uh, whether it was secrets that would protect Apple or secrets that might be damaging to Apple. So um, it's it, it's just interesting to me that um, on the forced labor piece, you know, to your comment, Rob, that they've kind of taken kind of a bit of a. I, I just don't get that because it is a bad look for the company, and uh, and um, they they need to confront that issue. I mean, it's a problem. It's not it's the first problem. time corporate management has just right. been completely unable to read the room. Yes, right. I agree. Well, it's it's I, extra expense and it's extra trouble. People are lazy, you know. Uh, if I have to change factories, if I have to renegotiate with, you know, authorities in a different country, that's work for me, you know. And these people do not want to do work, right? So, if you're going to make them work, of course they're against it, you know, whether uh, it's the right thing or not. I think John, you used a phrase a few weeks ago um, when we were talking about this orthogonally. It was something about it's all about the Benjamins, right? You know, it's about market share and market right. uh, the, the access to a, a very I'm sure large Apple market. does not want to have further awkward conversations about its relationship with the government of the People's Republic of China. Right. right. Exactly. That's a good point. Yeah. Yep. Well, let's hit the next topic. And then this is right in your wheelhouse, Rob. The, ah, yep. uh, it sounds like a Rocky, a Rocky uh, sequel. The, F, the 5G C-band issue versus the FCC. So talk to, talk to the audience about what In, in this case, Rocky is running up the Capitol steps for exercise, not the uh, Philadelphia Museum of Art. So here we have an intersection of two different federal priorities. One is, you know, decades of effort to try to expand the availability of broadband, which includes finding spectrum that you can free up and reform into mobile broadband use. And this has been going on for the last 10 years or so. And so in this case, this involved taking some frequencies that were previously used by a lot of satellites. If you remember the really big satellite dishes, C-band dishes, using that and washing it off to the wireless carriers. Uh, they had this auction at the uh, start of the year. AT&T and Verizon bid tens of billions of dollars combined 
to get the spectrum with the idea that they would be able to use it. Uh, mm. You're supposed to have an interagency collaboration to make sure that all the existing stakeholders will be okay with that. That did not seem to happen. And so this is run headlong into a different federal priority, which is the FAA's determination to preserve the culture of safety in commercial aviation. And so in this case, you have wireless carriers, uh, tech policy types saying, you know, look, 40 other countries have C-band already deployed. It's fine. Why do we have to prove that it's safe? And the FAA is saying, no, that's not how this works. We don't ask you, ask, we don't ask somebody to tell the airlines, accept that this will be safe. We can test this over time. We want every day to make the system a little more secure, a little more safe. And right. so the FAA has said, we cannot verify that this might uh, not cause interference with radio altimeters. And so if nothing else happens, we will issue uh, NODAMs, notices to air missions, uh, starting January 5th that saying in certain uh, instrument flight regimes near airports with certain kinds of C-band 5G cell sites, we're going to have to tell pilots that you cannot assume that your altimeter is reporting correct data. And so in that case, you will not be able to, you know, complete the landing there. You'll have to divert to some airport that is not covered by this notice. And that could cause huge, huge problems. What looks like is happening now is at the last minute, the wireless industry and the airlines have agreed to come together and share a lot of data about what is actually at stake, particular models of altimeter, particular transmitters. And it is really complex. And one thing I found is it's not just the US. Um, you know, People have said this could have been avoided if there wasn't this urge to get 5G rolling at all costs. But other countries, uh, Canada, in an equally sort of late-breaking move, regulators have said, we're going to have to impose power limits on 5G. And you can actually look up on a map where you can see around the, the runways at Toronto International Airport, there's this exclusion zone that extends about a mile off the runways in each direction. And then a uh, sort of precautionary zone where it's limited transmission, which goes out another few miles. And so it's this pretty big uh, X across the suburbs of Toronto where people are going to have less good 5G service. Right. 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 The Canadian thing was a big important thing. You know, that that's shows that there is an issue there because they were claiming, oh, there's no issue. It's fine in all these countries. Yeah. Uh, not exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it turns out that there is a lot of complexity. The Airline Pilots Association sent me this long list. You know, yes, it's being deployed in all these countries. Here's the power limits that Japan's using. Here's the guard band separating 5G and uh, radio altimeter bands that's so much wider in these various countries in the European Union. And so they're essentially saying, no, no there is no market where we have a similar set of facts as in the U.S., where there's this much gap between the frequencies that we've actually proven that it's okay. Right. Rob, do you, do you, anticipate, do you anticipate this getting resolved this year? Next year, next year? I think so. It seems like a manageable thing. I mean, first of all, uh, you know, the airlines, the one point a uh, very smart tech policy guy, Harold Phil with Public Knowledge, made to me in the piece I did for USA Today was the airlines are going to get blamed. You know, if your flight gets diverted and you don't get to Atlanta for Christmas, you're going to blame Delta, <laughs> not AT&T, not Verizon, because normal human beings don't follow these discussions. So the airlines have a strong motivation to get this worked out. AT&T and Verizon, they have a strong motivation because they've spent all this money. And if they don't have C-band, they remain really uncompetitive with T-Mobile, which already has mid-band 5G on 
lower frequencies that don't have any interference problems. And T-Mobile has got a really good 5G network that uh, its two older competitors do not have. And C-band is their one way to start addressing this competitiveness gap. So they have an incentive to play ball. So I, I think things are aligned in the right way. I think this means that if you're an AT&T or Verizon subscriber, you're going to have a crummier 5G experience, but it's the one you know now. Right. You know, the least painful <laughs> option is don't give people something they don't have yet, not cancel a bunch of flights. Right. Well, the uh, other issue is is that the, the bandwidth that they're using for C, it's so high that you have to put in more towers. So, you know, you need more towers to get more coverage. It, it makes it so much more problematic uh, than even previous generations of wireless. And I don't know if you guys remember, but I used to have arguments with people saying, well, we should be able to use our wireless devices on the plane when it's taking off. It doesn't interfere, blah, blah, blah. But if you ever used a cellular phone near a not very good FM radio in a car, you could create interference on the FM oh, sure. radio. So sure. you certainly could create interference with the cockpit as they're trying to take the plane off the ground or land it. Uh, you know, I think as Rob, you point out in your article, it's really this when you're light, you're landing by instruments, you're flying by instruments because you can't see the ground or it's foggy or snowy or what have you. Um, so, yeah, it, it seems like it's a much more serious issue than the wireless industry would lead us to believe. Well, I'll just yep. kind of wrap it up. It's just a shame that the that the private sector and the government they seem to be, you know, for, not on the same page, you know, and 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 it's it's a shame because we all agree that it would be nice to move the world to the faster um, in, implementation of five G, but not at the not at the risk of of, of potentially causing safety issues. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so, but hey, but hey, you know. What, what's new in that regard? You know, you have a, a problem like this, and uh, and I just hope it does get resolved uh, sometime next year. So I'm optimistic. Um, I hope you're optimistic about that, guys. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, John, you brought up this. This is kind of the the the, the security uh, discussion of the day. Log four J, this new vulnerability that is kind it four J or forge? Yeah, <laughs> four G. Well, it's four Java, so it's four Java. So it's like. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So why, why? So why should we care about this? I mean, this is you know, the, there's issues that come up. By you know, I mean, you, you can't pick a day in the year that there isn't some type of uh, vulnerability that shows it's ugly. Yeah. But what makes this this makes this one unique, and why is this kind of jumping out um, in the news? Because uh, it's in a Apache in their servers in their software, and it's that software is used by you know on millions of machines all over the planet. Um, and uh, Apache is, you know, the software that caused a problem at Equifax because the guys at Equifax so really why they use server system, yeah. right? So they they didn't up, they didn't update their patches. They just didn't. And bingo, you had millions of records out there. I got hacked. All my data, credit card information. You know, thank you very much, Equifax. Uh, so this vulnerability is embedded in the software. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just. It, 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 it's one of these functions that programmers left in there. Nobody was really thinking about it. It was a long time ago. Um, it's a logging uh, program. That's a pretty fundamental part of these servers to log activity in Java and everybody uses it. So nobody's really thinking about it. Although lots of security people have said over the years, this Java, we should not be using this Java, right? It's very bad. Uh, but this is, you know, another example and trying to patch it is really a hard 
problem it looks it turns out to be i initially when it was revealed i thought oh you just enter a couple of lines of code you'll you'll patch it no problem but they've done about four or five patches now and they don't seem to be able to solve the problem and, and it's every server has to do this too there's nothing you and i can do about it you know yeah. i don't have to do anything <laughs> right. on, my, on my laptop or phone but the problem is you could use my laptop or my phone for a botnet or any kind of other heinous activity by exploiting this vulnerability and that's the thing it's like wow I, I, they could be breaking into my system and there's nothing i could really do about it so See, but, but we, we but you know john we've talked about this before and this is the thing that flaws flaw, um it, it just floors me yeah. and that the point you're making is correct that there's nothing it's a hey let's go download the latest version of norton antivirus and you're okay i mean this is at the server level right and many of these vulnerabilities happen because for whatever reason the the, the, the problem was known but for whatever reason they didn't implement the latest patch they didn't implement the latest um uh, piece of um uh, security software at the server level that happens often and whether that's incompetence whether there was a cost issue whether that was just you know, whatever reason, I'm, there's always lists of issues. That's the thing that I think drives um, businesses crazy in that, you know, local businesses are spending tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars trying to address these issues. And, you know, what can they do when this stuff happens at the server level? You know? Right. And, and this is an unusual one, too, because there's no real person, individual to blame here. I mean, at Equifax, you could say, Equifax is to blame, no question about it. Should they be fined? Absolutely. Should yep. they pay money? Absolutely. But in this case, it, it's sort of an embedded problem in the software that nobody's yes. really thinking about. And now that it's discovered, it, solving it, it, it looked initially to be pretty easy to do, but now it's not. It's clear that it's not quite it, easy. It's hard bleed all over again. It is something that really shouldn't happen in theory this is open source software and there's the saying with enough eyes all bugs are shallow and the idea right. is if the code is documented anyone can inspect it and improve it then stuff like this will get caught but sometimes it doesn't because people just assume oh this library works fine never mind that it turns out it's just a couple of people who are maintaining it and there have been attempts to improve on that google has a really good initiative called project zero where they just look for flaws in code that's supposed to be okay uh, the, with the idea that if the community isn't going to provide those eyes to surface those bugs, you know, we'll, we'll put paid professionals on it. But yeah, here again was something where, you know, the handful of people working on this project needed more help and then now they're getting it a little too late. But, <laughs> but before we go to the last topic here, I want to talk about the word that, that John, you brought up and I'm, Rob, I want your comment on this is the whole idea of consequences. You know, right. there should be a component to this discussion where if a company at the server level or even at the, at the business level too, but if they fail through negligence and competence, there should be a, a financial co um, consequence to it that it should hurt enough that, Hey, you won't do this again. I mean, do you agree? Rob, in theory, you, yes. You you want to you don't want um, you know poor coding to become uh, you know lawsuit bait. That no, this can be an expensive no. way to resolve it. On the other hand, yeah, those systems we have right now was Equifax held very accountable for poor security practices. As someone who got Equifax, I would say no. <laughs> um, <laughs> and 
part of this is it's not so much a security conversation, but a privacy conversation because we don't have a federal law covering data breaches. We have ones that cover issues with your health data, your financial data, but just generally, if Equifax links your social security number across the internet, it's like, well, that's unfortunate. We're very sorry. Please accept a year of free credit monitoring. (laughs) Well, hey, well, let's let's hit this last issue here because we're going to have some fun with this. I mean, oh, yeah. John, let me start with you. Um, Did you have plans on going to CES or are you just waiting for the all clear or uh, what do you assume is going to happen in Las Vegas in in about three weeks? Do you think that it's um, two weeks, two weeks? I'm sorry. Two weeks. Yeah. Less than that. Yeah. Uh, for me, oh, for me, I am uh, uh, I'm slated to go. Um, I have a couple of people that I really am looking forward to um, talking to um, and some interesting sort of out there kind of topics. So I'm very much looking forward to uh, seeing them. However, as each hour ticks by, it looks less and less likely <laughs> that a lot of this is going to happen. And, you know, it's shades of uh, Mobile World Congress and the Geneva Auto Show and all these shows that did exactly the same thing and canceled a day before or basically went virtual a day or two before the show. And it doesn't matter the size of the show. Nothing's too big to cancel, as we've learned in the last uh, less than two years. So, I mean, as one PR person put it to me uh, yesterday, he was trying to arrange for appointments and he said, uh, I'm basically rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, but <laughs> but when would you like to meet with the CEO of this company? You know, and so uh, every day, High Sense today was another one. They basically canceled. Um, you know, uh, so now you don't have High Sense. What are the TV makers are out? You know, you don't have Amazon. You don't have the T-Mobile guy. He's not even going to appear virtually for his keynote. So. Um, whether it's going to happen or not, I don't know. And I'm sort of waiting until after Christmas to make my final decision. But at the moment, I'm supposed to go on at the moment. I'm very much looking forward to meeting a couple of people there. But when I look at the number of people that are canceling, it's going to be pretty quiet in Las Vegas. Right. No, I agree. And, and you know what's interesting is, in all fairness to, to the CES um, uh, company and the, um, and the companies that are going to be there, I mean, they're putting very, very strict – uh, rules in place. You have to be, you know, you just can't get in showing that you have a, a proof that you don't have COVID. You have to be vaccinated. It's one of those type of events. You have to be fully vaccinated. Right. Although I don't, I don't know. Have they defined what fully vaccinated is? Does that include so they have. Or? I was looking this up the other day. Um, the Consumer Technology Association, they have like an actual real strict no exceptions vaccine mandate. You must have completed the full course, not necessarily boosters, but you got to have your, your either your one dose of J&J two of Moderna, two of Pfizer, or I guess other World Health Organization approved vaccines. You can't set a medical excuse, certainly not a religious excuse. Uh, and if you had COVID before, they don't care. They want to see your vax certificate. And so they're going to check that. Uh, you know, they're, they're doing the right things. And they announced these measures a while ago. The last thing they announced was we're going to give everyone a free uh, Abbott Laboratories rapid self-test kit. Although realistically, you should do the self-test like the evening before you head out for Vegas, because what if you test positive when you arrive? Then you're really screwed. You've flown across right, the country right, right. and you're stuck in this hotel room for who knows how long. Right. That's a, that's a serious issue that hasn't been really addressed. And, and I need to talk to people next week about that, too, for, you know, being stuck in Vegas. I'm not. It's also 
it's Vegas. Hello. This isn't yeah. like the vaccination capital of the United States exactly. So it's not really a lot. Number of people say, well, I'm nervous about flying. And I'm like, the flight is going to be fine because the people, you know, we've all traveled for work now um, during this pandemic. Well, I, I don't know, JQ, I've seen the numbers in New York. I think you will you may lower your risk by going to Vegas. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. So our experience here in New York is, you know, that vaccination stuff, it's great. Everybody should be vaccinated. Absolutely get the booster shot. But the fact of the matter is that's not going to stop us. So, uh, You've got, You've got the, a, lot a lot of people, people without masks in Las, Las Vegas. Vegas. It's going to be difficult. difficult. Yeah, so I am also scheduled to fly there, and I probably will, no matter what, I think it's a safe bet that I'll rebook my flights because they're so much cheaper now. Like, there's no reason you just stick with airfares you paid in September or October because they're, they're just crashing through the floor. Um, I think CES is going to happen, uh, unlike MWC, and all the, the events that got canceled in early 2020, we have vaccines. So the downside is not that you fall prey to this pandemic where we don't even know how it works, but if you've gotten vaccinated and boosted, which is me, then uh, you almost certainly suffer nothing worse than you won't feel any sicker than I usually do every year after going to CES. And when <laughs> I come home, you know, my wife is vaccinated and boosted. My kid's gotten both doses, 11, so a booster's not an option. Our house is small, but it's big enough. So if I have to just sort of live a quarantine existence for a few days, I can do it. And it seems that the current, the latest variant, I would like the series to end, um, is spreading rapidly enough. We're all going to get it at some point. So to a certain degree, I would like to get it over with <laughs> in, uh, in a scenario where I have some control over it. And and the other thing is virtual CES last, last year, this January, was not good. You're watching a series of infomercials. You have no way to actually, there's no hands-on time whatsoever. Just getting basic questions answered about a product is really difficult. So unless you have a company like a Samsung or a Sony saying, we're out, I think this proceeds. Uh, this isn't like South by Southwest where the local government stepped in. Clark County, Nevada is never going to say, I'm sorry, the show must not go on. Right. Well, right. I will say, uh, let me, uh, I'll just, I don't know why we're getting so good, uh, but uh, I'll just say this, is that I do think that the, um, I, I went to uh, an event for uh, Calix, which is a big communications company, conducts a, a channel event that they did back in October, and I wrote about this on Forbes. They really did execute the event in a very, very professional uh, manner. And it was surrealistic going into the casinos. I mean, they have every slot machine, you know, separated by plexiglass. So I, I know you have a big um, uh, slot machine addiction, Rob. So <laughs> you're, on, you're, on, you're on mute. Oh, so, right? so it's, you know, one of those things that, uh, you know, it's just one of those things I think we're going to have to, you know, deal with. And, uh, you know, again, unless CES itself, um, you know, you know, cancels the event. I'm gonna go. You know, and uh, and and I'll you know take all the proper precautions. And uh, and and as you said, Rob, I think the big problem with all canceling uh, with doing all these events online is that yeah, you can do this stuff with 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 um, online meetings, but they turn into a long infomercial, and there's no interaction. You can't answer. Uh, you can't really ask. You know, direct questions. You know, everything is through a chat box. 
Um, you can't go into a bar and bump into someone you haven't talked to in three or four years and maybe get a piece of information that you would no normally not have gotten. So um, anyway, um, you know, it will, we'll, we'll see what happens and hopefully I'll see you two, you two guys out there. Right. Yeah, that'd be nice. We'll go there. So anyway, guys, listen, thank you. Uh, let me uh, just thank you for participating in today's podcast. I hope you both guys have a great holiday. Uh, please like, uh, the uh, the podcast, when you get a chance, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And if I uh, don't speak to both of you guys before the holidays, please have a great um, uh, time with your families between now and hopefully CES. And until next time, have a great week. Mm -hmm.